Welcome to the Andrew Ferris Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the show. And today on the show, I have Isaac Medeiros, the CEO and founder of Mini Katana. And I'm going to tell you right now that you are going to love this episode. That is because Isaac is doing something different and more interesting than so many D2C brands. Last month, as Isaac said on this show, he got 300 million views across all of his organic channels. That's TikTok, YouTube, some other places as well. And that is a lot of views on his content. There's a lot of views. He has a goal of getting to a billion a month, as he says on the show. So what that represents is the cornerstone strategy of Isaac's business, which is called Mini Katana. It's a low eight figure business. And Isaac is building his business on the back of organic video. And that is so interesting because this show is hosted by somebody who released an episode saying, don't try to diversify away from Facebook ads. For most people, I don't think that they should try to diversify away from Facebook ads. But if you are going to do it, I think Isaac's pathway represents one of the most interesting and maybe a much bigger opportunity even than what exists in Facebook ads, basically because of the PL implications. If you can take advertising out of your PL as part of the cost, well, man, you can really potentially open up a seriously high margin profitable business. It's not for everyone. Isaac knows that. He says as much. But this episode will let you in on the exact strategy that Isaac has built or has used to build a really impressive business. I won't delay it anymore. Let's jump in to my conversation with Isaac Medeiros. Isaac, thanks so much for joining me, man. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. I didn't even ask you, where are you based? We're based out of Los Angeles. So our main... Oh. Yeah. We should have done this in person. I didn't know that. I'm in LA as well. That's funny. No way. Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. I Can I still you drive over, over or like what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll do a follow-up. We'll just at least get lunch or something at some point. Uh, that's so funny. So yeah, you're in LA and tell me, just give people a sense right away about Mini Katana. Let people get some context. What's the scope of the business? What can you tell us about whether it's employee number or size, anything you want to say to give some people some sense of the context of what Mini Katana is and also what you sell? We sell Japanese swords of all sizes. We started with letter openers and that's where the name Mini Katana comes from. We just happened to expand out because people kept asking for stuff. We are a low eight figure business and we have about 20 full-time staff internally. A lot of those are focused in content. A lot of what we do is allocate brain power, human resources, because we need to create really good media to get our audience to convert. Yeah. Awesome. So niche space to some degree niche doesn't mean small necessarily but in terms of like hobbyist kind of space that you guys are in and it is just crazy like you pull up the mini katana youtube pit channel and it is just almost two million subs at this point you've got just the, the last videos i'm just looking at recently updated it's 25k views is small here's 160k 73k 360k and it's just like banger after banger you guys are putting out that people love your content and i'm sure if we were to go look at the all-time most popular there'd be millions and millions of views on those as well and that's not the only channel you guys are running so talk a little bit to give people some sense of kind of this approach to organic because i think this is the thing that is like so fascinating about this business is i have released an episode telling people stop trying to diversify your ad spend just go put your money into Facebook and get really good at it because it's such an unparalleled opportunity. And occasionally I hear from people who are doing something really different than that and it's really working for them. And you are one of those people. And I love those stories because it's so helpful to hear about things that are really working. So give people a sense of that organic reach that you guys are doing. Overview again of what those channels amount to and, and what you're trying to accomplish with those. Yeah, so January last month, we did about a little over 300 million organic views. The bulk of that is on our big YouTube, our main one, which got about 190 million. 
our main TikTok got about 80 million of those views. And then the rest of those views were spread out amongst our kind of secondary baby channels that we have started more recently. So we have a secondary YouTube, a secondary TikTok, and then we have some Instagram accounts that are basically dead because Instagram is the only place we struggle in. But yeah, that's all aggregate. That's 300 million a month that we're at right now. Are you watching that number pretty closely? The view number? That's kind of our main metric. Actually, our main metric is that number to followers. So what huh. we're really looking at is how many followers are we converting from that number? Because I found that anybody can really get a lot of views, but can it actually compel people to become a part of your community? And that's what we really aim for. Yeah, that's interesting. So when people make the jump from just watching a video to actually following you, it's a signal of intent about their relationship to your brand and to the storytelling. Yeah. So what we're really trying to achieve is a brand with a parasocial relationship with millions of people. Right now we touch about 60 million unique individuals globally a month. And we really want to increase that number and have a better relationship with those people over time too. A lot of what we do as an entity corresponds with those efforts. If you look at us internally, you'd look at some of our decisions and see, hey, that doesn't really make sense because that doesn't drive revenue. But long-term it drives massive outcomes. It just takes a while. What kinds of things, that's a really interesting comment. What kinds of things are you doing that I would look at and say, why are you doing that? It doesn't drive revenue, but that you actually think is going to really matter. Sure. A big one late last year was we launched a Discord channel, which for those that don't know, it's like a online chat room, Facebook group style uh, place where you can, it's popular amongst gamers basically, but our audience happens to be all gamers. So they all join our Discord. And at first it wasn't really generating revenue. Honestly, it's not really generating a ton of revenue right now, but what it's really generating is first party data for us. So we've been able to really ask people, what do you want us to make? And I launched a pen and people were like, why did you launch a pen? Well, that's because we already looked at our audience and asked them, would you buy this? The answer is yes. So it's really removed the risk from product development as well as diversifying to other channels. But I have a really strong bet that Discord is gonna start producing a lot of revenue later this year when it gets a lot bigger. The pen launch went well? It didn't go well at first. Yeah. And that's just because we overcharged for it. But with some pricing adjustments, it's going really well right now. We sold 500 last month. Awesome. Awesome. And that, but that's like a totally new, that's impressive because it's a totally new category too, because you've been in letter opener and then swords and then a pen, obviously totally different deal. But that is the kind of thing that is, if I'm looking at any business, it's like non-consumable consumer products, right? Like so much of the ability to scale your business is going to be about being able to effectively launch more products into a community that actually already loves you. So having some kind of hit like that makes a ton of sense. My thesis is that we can sell anything, right? We're launching apparel next month. And if we can sell apparel and pens, we can sell anything we want. It's just a matter of making it look cool and relevant to the audience that we're selling to. Yeah. Okay. So let's backtrack a little bit to some of the organic social stuff that you've built. Why did you first do this? How come you made the decision to put all this time into organic social? Was that when you started this whole thing, this was the strategy or was that a response to something else? It was in response. So we started with letter openers. Our first product was a letter opener and we started with Facebook ads and Facebook ads banned us, but we had a really good ROAS for those few days that we were on the platform for. <laughs> it was over three times with just right out of the gate. So really good product fit. And at that point I said to myself, well, we have a distribution problem. I have a lot of credit card debt because I manufactured these. Let's just make it work. So I tried every single channel I could think of. Snapchat ads broke even. Pinterest ads did nothing. But what did work was our second TikTok video, which got 4,000 views and one sale. Everything I do is actually just an extreme version of that second TikTok video we posted. 
Okay, that's so fascinating. So tell me what was in that video. We'll link it in the show notes. What was in that video? And what do you mean by saying that everything else you do is an extreme version of that? For that second video, I believe it was unboxing a large katana with a mini katana. And it was just like using the product that we had, which was a letter opener to do an unboxing of a large sword. And it was just interesting. It was an interesting video, right? It had a really good hook, which is like, oh, what does unboxing a large katana with a mini katana look like? And it was just like, it was a good, 80% of a video is the hook. And we really nailed that. That video got 4,000 views the first day, but it actually went on to get like 100,000 over a month. So it just was a really good first video. What I mean by everything we do is an extreme version of that. That first connection to really good content to sell. All we do now is just that. That hasn't changed. That was the model that I discovered that day. And that has stayed true to the business till today. Which is connecting the content to conversions with video content that people like. What we have essentially done is be, the product is the influencer. The brand is the influencer. What do you mean? So our videos are not personality or people centric. What they're really focused on is our product. They have a similar aesthetic. So we use the same color grading, same editing style, but a mini katana video always has our products in it. And that's the common kind of common thread between all of our content is just the products themselves to keep showing over and over that this is what, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you move from letter openers to the full sword just because your customers wanted it? Or like, how did you make that decision? Yeah, just because they wanted it. And again, this goes back to like one of the advantages we have, even without the Discord that I described earlier is people just talk to us all the time. One of the reasons we've grown so fast is we know exactly what to make at all times. And I really strive to know more about my customer than any other brand I can think of. How do you do that? What are you doing to know that much about your customer? Just look at the comment section. On any <laughs> given day, we probably get five to 10,000 new comments on our socials. So it's just a matter of looking at those and getting feedback. We also do polls. A lot of people don't realize this, but we game the heck out of the YouTube community tabs page, which is like, if you open up YouTube home screen, you see community posts sometimes. Our community posts get tens of millions of impressions a month outside of videos. And those are often polls or new product releases. Super interesting. All right, so let's break this down a little bit more. So you you make that video, you get a light bulb moment where you're like, wait a minute, I can just do this at some more scale and I can actually move products this way. What was the next step from there? Was it like to double down on TikTok? Like how fast did you move on that? What, who was making the content? How did you go from one TikTok video to cornerstone strategy? We had three advantages. The first one is I was the creator for the brand and I was also deciding what products to make so I could make products that I knew people would buy and also react well to, right? Because I had to feed into that comment section that I was describing earlier. The second core advantage is that we started on TikTok. And I always tell people this today, TikTok is the easiest platform to start on because it gives you an almost instant feedback loop. As in, if you post a video, and you wait a few days, it'll tell you whether the video was good or not because you'll get views instantly or you just won't. And that lets you iterate really, really fast. Because of TikTok's recommendation engine, basically. Yeah, because yeah. why did this video flop? Okay, let's not do this again. Let's keep iterating concepts that worked. At my height, I was doing 90 videos a month on that account, that first account. And I Jeez. got really good, really fast at it's basically having an ad account. It's just testing every creative very aggressively until you know it works. Super interesting. Do you think 
Okay, I'm tempted to figure out whether to ask you this question now. Uh, let me pause on that question. Let me come back instead to keep asking you to uh, unravel this a little bit or uh, pick this apart a little bit more. So you started creating all of these videos and then what happened? Did it immediately generate a bunch of sales for you and you just kept going? Like, how did you move towards really scaling the operation? That's exactly what happened. I would figure out what products to add. A lot of times I would be forced to supplement with local wholesalers when we started selling out more aggressively until I could get real manufacturing going. And then I'll just sell out of that product. So it's a very yep. direct response loop. Uh, that's how in our first year we did 2.5. And that was basically yep. just me doing almost all of that. Just up all night creating videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't, I, there wasn't a waking moment where I didn't work that year. Our first hire was like just a packer who like worked in my apartment <laughs> next to <laughs> yeah. me and then support. And, you know, we have our own warehouse and everything in house because we just started so scrap. Yeah. That's funny. There's so many. One of the things that I is different about my story than a lot of the entrepreneurs who are successful that I meet is I just never had those moments. I came into the game in a really different way and was never like the founder. But that founder story you just mentioned of just like the working every second, so scrappy, all that stuff. I think there's something to that, man, where that's part of the reason people are successful is this drive to get it right and to keep going and, and all that. There's It's probably part of the story we, that doesn't get told. We enough. have a We still have a very strong do or die attitude, as in we win no matter the cost. Even yeah. last year when we reached some sort of scale, we tried so many things that just didn't work. We tried TikTok organic, which we couldn't quite crack. We tried Pinterest organic, which we couldn't quite crack. We tried limited ad, like spending a few hundred dollars here and there of ad spend on several platforms just as experiments. We're a very fast to execute team and we try every single idea we can think of. Yeah. And then just scale the winners. When you say you tried TikTok organic, but it didn't work, isn't that what you're talking about with your TikTok? TikTok oh, Pinterest right organic. Now? I'm sorry. Pinterest oh yeah okay got it because got fun it. fact pinterest allows short form videos now or it has yeah. for a year there's some people going really viral there actually yeah interesting so then okay so so you start aggressively making tiktok videos that's what got you to two and a half million dollars in year one basically tiktok were you already in youtube at that point no so we had been just reposting being incredibly lazy about it i knew that youtube was going to be like the big platform though so about middle next year i started hiring a team and I really started taking it seriously and preparing like basically a relaunch. And I think it hasn't even been a full year now, but we're at almost 2 million subs in eight, eight and a half months. So YouTube is just a bigger platform. That's just right. why it's just, it loves us because we make really good content and it's bigger than TikTok ever will be. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that's always what my feeling has been. Too. And also it seems to me that like some of the longer tail value on YouTube videos can be really massive with some of the SEO and some of that stuff that comes with that as well, that you can just pick up so much volume and value over time with that stuff. Plus, and this is something that I'm really curious to hear you talk about, you can get paid on, with your YouTube videos by running ads. Are you guys running ads on your videos as well? Yeah, so we, to clarify, we're very short heavy once again, and there's shorts monetization now. So we basically break even on our content, which is really With, cool. Just based on ads. Yeah. So we don't, we're, if you looked at us as a brand, we don't like spend money in advertising anymore. We just break even on it, but we don't like make a net profit from the channels. Yeah. From the ads themselves. But yeah. in terms of, but that means any katana sale that comes after that is gravy, basically, at that point. Essentially, you're saying YouTube is paying you at least a break-even cost relative to the cost that goes into making the videos. And then when you sell swords on top of that, now those swords are essentially no CAC, basically. Yeah, and I've encountered a few businesses like myself. We're all like very high margin because of this. Because you've basically taken, you know, what 25% of a business's budget will go towards ad spend. And we just right. don't have that. 
Yeah, that's and that's what that right there, the sort of PL implication of what you're saying is precisely why, like, when I heard your story, like, I perked up in a big way because the hardest thing to do for D2C brands, in my opinion, usually is to generate a bunch of clicks without paying a lot of money to do it. That's the thing that is so difficult, and that's why everybody's trying to figure out their Facebook ads all the time. But you guys represent this other story, which is oh, you've actually now got a content machine that is generating a bunch of a bunch of traffic and interest and awareness of your brand and you're not paying Facebook for it. Like you're actually just creating content that people like. And then of course, like you said, like that content is offset. The cost of the content creation is offset by the ads themselves. And it's just this sort of fascinating thing. So how did you go launch on YouTube? What did you have to do to make that a successful channel for you? So just to be clear, we had a ton of really good content lined up already, yeah. which is like 80% through 90% of the work. The rest is just an optimization battle. So basically the only thing we changed is we hired a YouTube manager and we took optimizing content on YouTube seriously. It paid off within a month. Within a, what do you mean? What do you mean? What paid off within a month? The manager? I'll just start. Yeah. Basically as soon as he was hired, he started like just going autopilot. Within five weeks we had, I think 40 million views on the platform, 30 million views. But that's because the content was already made, right? It just right. needed a little bit of love on top of it. Tell me the recipe for that love on top of it. What are the main things that he's thinking about? Is this like thumbnails and descriptions and that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's exactly that. Titles, titles matter a lot. YouTube wants to see that you're putting in effort. Even if you don't make the best content, if you put in a little effort, YouTube will try to get it shown to people. Huh, super interesting. And so titles, thumbnails, anything else that is like crucial to getting this right? I would say those are number two. For short form content, you're really just looking at keeping the upload schedule really consistent which sounds really easy, but it can be a bit of a challenge unless you have a team uploading that consistently. We upload about twice a day now on our main and three times a day on our secondary. So that gives you an idea of how much effort we put into keeping a consistent content machine feeding that yeah. engine. Yeah. Okay, so now let's break, let's go backwards a little bit towards, well, let me give you space. Let me ask one more question and then I wanna zoom out a little bit more. What other details of creating, if we, let's just take YouTube and TikTok and correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you would say, if a brand wanted to do this, they should start with TikTok and then add YouTube and they have to take it really seriously. So correct, is that right, you think? Yeah, I would say start with TikTok just because you're basically just trying to discover what works. What really happened that lets this model exist and why we're seeing more of these organic businesses show up they used to be a lot rarer. Like beer brand was one of a kind back five years ago, yeah. but there's several businesses like mine now is short form content. Basically short form content has made it easier to go viral for anyone who tries. And what that's led to is businesses that can focus half their time on product and half their time on content really just blowing up like mine. But what I'll say is you start with TikTok because you, again, you're trying to discover what works and TikTok just has a fast feedback loop. You can post yeah. 30 videos within a month and if they're garbage, TikTok is just not going to give you views. And you can delete that account and start over and figure out what concepts will work. After that, you can then go on YouTube, which is a little bit harder. But if you're uploading good content on YouTube, generally speaking, it works. Yeah. And you're still thinking about primarily shorts in that case. Yeah. I mean, that's just the opportunity, right? That's just where this, yeah. the blue ocean is right now. But you guys are uploading some longer content as well. How are you approaching that distinction? We just do everything on every platform that we can. We think that like platforms will love you more if you care about the platforms and nurture your audience with every kind of content. And that has given us massive rewards. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the way you keep talking about this, it, it just reflects to me that part of the game here is just to understand what's in it for the platform and to signal to the platform that you are pursuing that basically. I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? YouTube wants right. to maximize watch time. 
to retain users on YouTube and you're just maximizing watch time on your content. At a high level, that's all I do. I just maximize watch time on all my videos. Yeah, makes sense. Anything else really highly tactical and specific that you want to tell people about how you guys are actually pulling this off? Besides, I want to get to the team that you use to support this in a minute, but let's leave that aside for a second, like in terms of the team composition and how much you're putting towards it. Because I actually saw you tweet something at some point about just like how many people you have dedicated to this plan. It's not easy. It requires work. Ideas are easy. Execution is hard. So it's not like one person is just going to sit there and make it all unless they want to do the Isaac Medeiros work every minute for a year plan, But which maybe they do. Some people are going to want to do that. But before we talk about like the team composition, talk to me more about Anything else that's like on the highly specific and tactical, like these are the things that we've learned that we're really, that we think you should do right now. So the number one tip I have when starting out is TikTok has a new account authority boost. So what that means is, you know how you hear about people blowing up on TikTok all the time, just out of nowhere. And they're just like, they're famous now. Basically TikTok is designed for that. And new accounts are treated at a higher class than every other account. So they have a very high chance of going viral. So the, you can game that system by just having a thesis for your content, preparing 30 videos, having a brand new account, posting those videos. And if the videos suck and you have that authority boost, then you know something's really wrong and you just start again and again and again. And I've seen people do this and maybe the third time something clicks and they really blow up because of it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Anything else like on the YouTube side, because that looks like where that's the bulk of your views are now that is like a tactical side. I wouldn't say there's any, I, I, I just say you have to make good content. Like that's yeah, great. And that's going to rely on hiring creators and like figuring out what works. And that's why I'm so focused on like figure out what works first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and I'd figure, I know that you can't tips and tricks your way past good content. Like if your content's bad, it's not going to work. But yeah, I just wondered about that. So go ahead and talk to you about your teams now a little bit. What kind of teams do you have and how have you designed those teams? What are their responsibilities? How many people, anything you're willing to say about the team composition that now powers sure. this for you? First of all, I want to open up with a lot of my hires are there because we're scaling. So a lot of people are there just because we're preparing for the future and not necessarily now. In terms of present, the really key team members we have are our four full-time content creators, which are creating the really banger videos that get hundreds of millions of views. And then we have our YouTube manager and YouTube assistant. And those are like the top, I would say six team members on the team. Other than that, we have one full-time editor and two freelance editors that work side by side with the creators to make really good videos. And then off to the side, we also have 16 contract script writers. And that's just because at the level of content we're putting out so aggressively, you just need ideas. And that's what becomes really valuable. Like what are some really good ideas and like scripts that you can have that are super interesting to keep people being entertained? 16 contract script writers. And those guys and gals are just submitting and pitching. Yeah. And we pay them for the good scripts and the bad ones are just like out. And they're like, they're short scripts. So they're under, always under 50 words, hundred words. These guys, they make decent money. They're usually college students, right? English majors. Super interesting. Okay, so that's a big operation. And you're talking about low eight figures brand. What percentage, if you're willing to answer this, and we can cut this out if you're not, what percentage of your PL is in OPEX now? Oh man, I think it's increased because we just brought on so I don't sure. even know what it is anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifty? No, it's less than that. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's all I need to know. Yeah. I would say so let's say we did like if we did a million dollars in a month. I would say about 200,000 of that is spent on video somewhere or the other, either through payroll or like direct video budgets. 
Yeah, right. Okay. That's super interesting. By, by the way, uh, one quick thing. You mentioned you have a YouTube manager. Do you have a TikTok manager as well? No, we just like, that's just a social manager. That's just posts. Post, Again, post, TikTok right. is super easy, folks. Like that's, right. I keep making that point, but it's a, little, it's a lazy platform and good content performs there. Yeah, great. Okay. So the videos that you're, or you're about 200,000 or you said you're about 20% in OPEX if you're around a million in revenue. So that's great. That's totally reasonable. Just on videos, you're saying that's completely reasonable in terms of what you're doing relative to the way your PL looks like relative to every other e-commerce PL in the world, which especially if you just take out the Facebook ads part of the PL essentially, which is really good. So that's why this is a really appealing thing. So now here's my question that I've been hinting at and hovering around a couple times. Do you think most brands should do what you're doing? No. Okay. That's so interesting. Why not? What I do is really, really hard. That's basically yeah. it. I think it's ludicrously hard. And you have to get lucky a lot of times, whereas with Facebook, you don't necessarily have to get lucky. You just have to be decent at creating creatives and have a decent product, and you can make Facebook yeah. work. Even in today's climate, yeah. I see it happen all the time. Oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. With what I do, it's just, I don't know why I did things the way I did. Like, I should have been like, this product is not going to work. Let's just pivot into like an ad-friendly product and make this easier for myself. And I also think like one of the other things that separates me from other operators is I'm genuinely incredibly passionate about what I do in my product. Like our big goal for the year is to get to a billion views a month. I can tell you right now that's not going to increase top line revenue by much. It's probably going to increase top line revenue, maybe 20 or 10% in addition to what we currently make. We are like at almost our maximum size for the sword market in the US with our product line. Why do I want to get to a billion views a month? I can't give you a specific reason. All I can say is we want more audience. We'll figure it out later. So unless you're willing to go into this with that kind of attitude where you genuinely want to entertain millions of people for the sake of it, you're going to struggle to get to the same size. Now, yeah. final note on this, there is a product marketing fit with this. That's not to say I haven't seen more boring product categories make this work because like on TikTok, there's a girl, all she does is mentor people on using Microsoft Excel. And she just secured a seven-figure contract with Microsoft directly to like just go on tours with Microsoft to make TikTok content. If she can make Excel sexy, you can make your boring product <laughs> sexy. You have no excuse. But the most successful brands I've seen somehow have movement involved. Like swords are just like, whoa, swords. Like that's flashy and it's like a visual hook. There's a whole like ecosystem where there's seven-figure slime like slime businesses, like the ones kids like to play with because yep. it's fun, the texture and everything. Uh, there's several of them. There's at least 10 of them that do full 100% organic TikTok and YouTube because it's slime. And when you make slime, it's incredibly visually satisfying. So those are like, those are my notes around this. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, man. I Just before you and I talked today, I was talking to a client of mine and she saw your talk at the Whaley's and was like really impressed, loved it. And she said, but that's not for us. And I said, I totally agree. Like, it's just the wrong, it's just the wrong niche. Like, even though what Isaac is doing makes sense, like probably for this business, like it just isn't going to work in the same way unless our product line significantly changed or anything like that. Maybe that's me not being aggressive enough about a remarkable opportunity in the world right now, but I think it's just true. Like it's just not the way that I would operate that business. And I think there's increasingly what I'm impressed by is people who can align their strategy 
to the way their customer and their product interacts with one another. To me, like that is the kind of business that tends to be really successful. Like what I mean is CPG brands that are consumable should be thinking entirely about how they can build high LTV brands, high LTV businesses, and then figure out how to keep their CAC low enough to make the money pay off in the long run, to make the acquisition pay off in the long run. Like that's the game. If you're selling a consumable product, right? It's pretty much that. For you, you can't run your business that way. And what you're saying is that like swords are visual. And so making it YouTube and TikTok make a ton of sense because these are like highly visually interesting products and like gamer community is gonna be on YouTube and those kinds of places, highly online people. So it makes perfect sense. That's like the way you're gonna reach that person. So I really love that point that you're making there that essentially a lot of brands shouldn't do this because it just doesn't fit the same way it does for your brand. So, so I'll also say what I do is a tactic, it's a strategy. Like it's yeah. the whole business. All of our product lines, we look at products and we scrap them if we don't think they'll go viral just on a video. If businesses don't want to go the full, just dive deep into the pool like me, they can do like 1% of what I do and they'll see amazing results with their CAC. And what that looks yeah. like is just hiring a decent creator who gets like a few, like low millions of views on TikTok. And that awareness is going to have remarkable results for you on Meta or anywhere yeah. else to spend your money. Yeah. I'm mixed on that, man. I've seen, have you seen brands where that's really paid off that way? Yeah, I have friends who I've talked yeah. to and I've coached them a little bit just because I'm passionate about creating content. I want to see it work for yeah. people. And there's three of them that have gone viral on TikTok and are doing it a little bit consistently. And yeah. they have seen their CAC reduce 20%, 30%, 40% on meta. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's super interesting. All right, so let me ask you one more question. Where are you going from here? We're getting, we're going for a billion views a month. That's really exciting. You're launching apparel. What else? You've got your Discord channel. What else? What's next? Where are you trying to take this to? What's the final goal for the business? How can we be rooting for you and cheering for you when we hear about what's happening next? <laughs> oh, look, I always tell people we have the reach of a nine-figure brand, but we're like in the worst product category to get to that point. <laughs> so our job is just like apparel and pens and like, just make something else a big category for us and we have a clear shot to 100 million yeah. plus. But for now, we don't. Okay, so that's the goal is to figure out what product monetizes that audience the best. And that sounds a little mercenary, but like really it means finding out what that customer will love and making a product that they'll love, right? Yeah, and that's ultimately why we're all in this business. I was at the Whaley's last week and I didn't see as many emerging brands as I thought I would and that, but I, what I did see is the new brands are all built on like really passionate people who build a product for themselves, basically. And I think that's just what it takes nowadays. Yeah, I love it, man. All right, any last thoughts? Anything else you want to leave people with, Isaac? Well, we've got you. Any place you want people to come find you? All those things? I'm on, it's the Isaac, I-S-A-A-C, Med, M-E-D. Linked in the show notes, of course. Other than that, it's an honor to be on the pod. I've listened to it a few times. So it awesome. just blows my mind to like actually be here and talking here. Oh, no, come on, man. Yeah, I'm no big deal. I'm glad to have you. Appreciate it, though. That's very kind of you to say. So thank you. Thanks for coming, Isaac. And definitely go follow Isaac on Twitter right now. Again, you've heard me go on and on about Facebook ads and that sort of thing. And I'm a believer. I'm a believer in those things. I do think many brands should still be putting all their money there. But what you're doing represents to me a fascinating opportunity for the right kinds of brands and the right kinds of spaces. And yeah, man, good luck to you with what's next. Thank I hope you. people buy a lot of apparel. <laughs> you have to, Hopefully. You have, have, have to make sure to announce it when it goes live so I can go grab a shirt. Well, too. Thank you, Andrew. All right, man. All right, I hope that was helpful to you as always. It was very helpful to me. I am thinking directly and specifically about how to apply what Isaac has talked about 
in this episode to one of the businesses that I consult with in particular, maybe multiple of them. We will see. But there's there's just really, like I said, very few people doing what Isaac is doing. And he's so generous with the information and breaking down what he's doing and how he's doing it. Obviously, keep an eye out for everything that Isaac is doing. You can do that, as he said there, by following him on Twitter at the Isaac Med. That link is in the show notes. Go check that out. Buy yourself a sword and a shirt when the shirts come out. And otherwise, you can follow me at Andrew J. Ferris on Twitter. You can email me at podcast at ajfgrowth.com. I would love to hear any thoughts you had about this episode or any others. And what else can you do? Oh, you can rate and review the show. That's what you could do. I would really appreciate that or share this with somebody else as well who would be interested in it. All of those things would be awesome. If you want to work with me, you can do that at ajfgrowth.com. That's everything. Hopefully, you know all of those spots by now. Next week on the show, back to a solo episode that I think you're going to like a lot. I'm going to be talking about how to think about something I referenced in the show today, which is growing a business on the that is a sort of consumable product, high LTV business, how to really think about the engine of growth in that business. So make sure you subscribe so you get that show, especially if you're running that kind of business. High LTV businesses, I think, are going to be helped by how to think about growing those, what the engine of profitability and growth is. That's it for this week. I will see you next time. 